You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 65. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. As we begin today, Father, I want to point out that this reading from Mark was appointed for January 3rd. So this week we've decided to look back at the first gospel reading of this calendar year. And I wanted to take the opportunity to do so because of the sermon that you gave that particular Sunday, Father. Specifically, you posed a question in that sermon that um, it really intrigued me. You asked us to imagine that there was no Christmas, no mention of the nativity of our Lord, and no celebration of his birth. I have to admit I was a little perplexed uh, at your question initially. Uh, I I thought it was a little uh, absurd, to be honest. But, of course, you were leading us somewhere uh, by posing the question, pointing out that Mark completely neglects any mention of the nativity in his gospel. And so I'm wondering, Father, if you could share with our listeners why you began your sermon on January 3rd by asking us to think about what it would be like to not celebrate or recognize Christmas. Yeah, it really is unimaginable to us today. As you said, it's absurd uh, for us today to think about being a Christian and not celebrating Christmas. And as I mentioned in that sermon, not only is Christmas obviously an important feast to us as Christians, but our consumer society has become obsessed with Christmas as well, clearly for the wrong reasons. But as American Christians, I pose this thought experiment to our parishioners because of the fact that Mark's gospel, the gospel from which we read that day and that you read at the beginning of this podcast, begins as we heard you read. It begins by introducing itself as the gospel of Jesus Christ. It then introduces an adult, John the Baptist, and quickly then moves to the baptism of Jesus Christ. So in that gospel, there is no Christmas, no nativity story, none of that. Just the beginning of the gospel. Here's an adult John, here's an adult Jesus. Let's get right to it. Now, Father, you mentioned something in that sermon about Mark being the first gospel, uh, chronologically. Can you explain that some more? Yeah, obviously our New Testament begins with the book of Matthew, but what I mentioned is that, and as you said, from a chronological perspective, the gospel of Mark was the first gospel to be written. So Matthew, Luke, and John were written in time after Mark's gospel. And so my point in asking this question or asking people to imagine not celebrating Christmas was related to the fact that the earliest Christians not only didn't celebrate Christmas, but in the first gospel written, 
they weren't even told of a Christmas story. It was just Jesus being baptized as an adult. So why do you suppose Matthew and Luke include details about the nativity, about Christmas? Well, the first thing I will note is that you correctly excluded John's gospel. You just mentioned Matthew and Luke in the nativity stories because John's gospel also bypasses the Christmas story. So even what many consider to be the final gospel written chronologically, that would be John's gospel, certainly the last one in our New Testament Bibles, also excludes any mention of Christmas. Uh, of course, unlike Mark, John begins with Christ and his relationship to the Father outside of time as we know it. But nevertheless, he never addresses directly any story of Christmas. So it's actually two out of four Gospels, half of them, that neglect to even mention a Christmas story as we normally think about it. John just mentions the word becoming flesh and then again moves along much like Mark. Now I think we can assume that Matthew and Luke, again written after Mark's Gospel, are telling the story of Jesus' birth from Mary because naturally people reading that first gospel, Mark's gospel, would be asking the question, okay, where, where did this Jesus come from? And so my best guess is that Matthew and Luke seek to address that natural question. Father, another thing you noted, though, was that even in Matthew and Luke, where they do talk about what we now call Christmas, they don't really go into details about Jesus as a young boy, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And in fact, I think it's important to note that some of the spurious Gospels, some of the Gospels that were written about Jesus and his life that were not accepted as part of the New Testament canon, that were rejected, some of those Gospels go into much more detail about Jesus' life as a young boy. And he's essentially depicted like uh, what I would call a little wizard doing magical things. But the true gospel writers had no interest in telling any of that if it even ever happened. And I'll explain here in a minute why that's the case. But I also want to note that Luke does tell one story from Jesus' childhood. And that was when Jesus was 13 years old. And after Mary and Joseph visited Jerusalem with him on the way home, they noticed that Jesus wasn't with them. So they went back and they found Jesus in the temple. And what Jesus had been doing essentially was teaching the people from the Torah, from the Old Testament scripture that was being publicly read in the synagogue. And so, Father, that leads into the main point of the sermon and the main point of, of what I want you to highlight today, uh, this notion of Jesus' teaching. Right. So the point I was making in that sermon and the point I want to make on today's podcast is that the most important aspect of Jesus' life, both in Mark's gospel and all of Scripture and in the church, is Jesus' teaching. That is what is of the essence. It's why the first gospel that we heard you read at the beginning of today's episode doesn't even mention Jesus' birth. It just goes straight to his baptism, which of course kicked off his public ministry of teaching God's message. And then even later, like in, in Matthew and Luke, when we do hear about the nativity, about Christmas, when we do have that one story about Jesus' early life before he began his public ministry, even then the authors talk about Jesus' birth and then spend many more chapters focusing exclusively on his public ministry of teaching. And even Luke's story about Jesus at age 13 that we just mentioned is fundamentally about Jesus even at that age being the teacher. And this name, by the way, teacher, is actually the most common name used to refer to Jesus throughout all of Mark's gospel. And why is that important? Why do you highlight that, Father? Because we as Christians need to understand that the most important thing in our lives should be Jesus' teaching. The most important thing to do is to live according to his way, which is a teaching. It's about a way of life. 
That's why the Word became flesh, to teach us how to live not just by words, but by actions that are recorded for us in the Holy Gospels. And obviously, I'm not trying to say that Christmas is not important. It's clearly a great feast on the church's calendar. But I think we've allowed two things converging together that lead us to actually overemphasizing Christmas. The first is the consumerism I mentioned earlier surrounding Christmas, which is so obvious I don't really need to say much about it. But the other thing is we've given such importance to theological statements and creeds and so forth that we think Christmas must have been a huge deal for Christians forever. And again, it's, it, I'm not trying to say that Christmas isn't important, but I'm saying on the totem pole of importance, so to speak, it's clearly far enough down that Mark, the first gospel, didn't even mention it. And my conclusion is the reason Mark didn't mention it, and the reason it hasn't always been one of the biggest feasts, historically speaking, in the church, is because the emphasis is on the teaching of Christ and how we should put that into practice in our own lives. The emphasis isn't to just marvel at how God became man, but to get to the heart of why he did that, which again is to show us and teach us how to live the way. Father, this leads me to my last question today. You mentioned in your sermon that the three greatest feasts of the church are Pascha, Pentecost, and Theophany. Why would Theophany supersede the nativity in importance? Well, historically, uh, that's definitely uh, the order. Pascha is a feast unto itself, the feast of feasts, the season of seasons, as we say in the hymns. And then there's Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is sent down upon the disciples of Christ. And then, like you said, Theophany. Now, to understand why this is the case, let's take a step back and explain how all of these three great feasts, Pascha, Pentecost, and Theophany, emphasize the teaching. Now, first, Pascha clearly is about the resurrection, but what we often miss is that the resurrection is the culmination of the teaching. The resurrection of Christ was a first fruits, meaning that it was just Christ who was resurrected first, but eventually the general resurrection will come. The first fruits help us realize that the rest of the fruits are coming. So in his resurrection, we know that we also will be resurrected. And Christ was resurrected by God because he perfectly followed God's teaching even to the point of death. So when the world, when the religious establishment judged Jesus as being deserving of death and put him to death, God reversed that judgment. Again, because Jesus perfectly followed God's teaching. And likewise, we are promised that we will be raised unto life if we follow God's will as taught perfectly by Jesus. Now, as for Pentecost, the entire purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit is so that we would understand the teaching of Christ and put it into practice. And this should be very clear from Acts 2, the story of Pentecost, because as soon as the Spirit is sent and all the people can understand Peter in their own language, what does Peter do? He preaches the gospel message of Jesus. And then just one more example for this. In John 14, 26, Jesus tells his disciple that when the Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. And then right after that, how does he do that? By bringing to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So it couldn't be clearer that Pentecost is ultimately about the teaching. And then Theophany, as we've been discussing, is Jesus beginning his earthly ministry, his teaching. And that is the purpose of Christmas, or I, I should say the fulfillment of Christmas, that Jesus came to bring his message and sometimes we talk about both Christmas and Theophany being about God entering his creation 
and uniting humans to heaven and so forth. And of course, I don't deny that, but I stress that the way he and we are united to God is through following the teaching, through living that way of life. And so that's why these three feasts are so important, because they highlight the absolute necessity for us to live according to the way Jesus taught us. Thank you, Father. In contemplating the fact that the Nativity story is not included in Mark's Gospel, our episode today focused on the most important aspect of the life of Christ, which was his teaching. And even though Matthew and Luke provide some details about the birth of Jesus, they also neglect any mention of his early life, the sole exception being the story told in Luke about the young Jesus staying behind in Jerusalem and teaching in the temple. Here again, we see this common thread in the emphasis on the importance of the teaching of Christ. We see this also in the three greatest feasts of our church calendar, Pascha, Pentecost, and Theophany. At Pascha, we are promised that we will be raised unto life if we follow Jesus' teaching. At Pentecost, we see the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit is so that we would understand the teachings of Christ and put them into practice. And at Theophany, we marked the, be the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, his teaching. And so, as Christians, we must understand that the most important thing in our lives should be Jesus' teaching, to live according to his way. For this is the reason that the Word became flesh. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God.